Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we have a special episode. Our producer, Isaiah Hedden, was in Seattle for Sketchfest Seattle and interviewed local sketch comedian Darren Schultz. We apologize for the background noise. They recorded the episode in a public venue. The topic of discussion is a sketch from Australia's Auntie Donna. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketch we're going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. All right, we have a special episode today. We are in Seattle for Sketchfest Seattle, and we are talking to a Seattle comedian, Darren Schultz. Hey, how's Welcome. it going? <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat. Yeah, happy to do it. I love talking about sketches a lot. Yeah, I knew it. And this is our second time. It's Bad Medicine mm-hmm. coming to this festival. We saw you guys, saw you perform a number of things back then as well. So Yeah, that was three years ago, I think. 2019, oh, oh. yeah. Yeah, a little pre-pandemic mm-hmm. days. Um, but it was, a, it was such such a fun spirit. Yeah. Such a great environment to be a part of. We were very, very happy to come back here. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, sort of like, I, I think, a last hurrah for Sketch in Seattle for a few years because... Right after that, we lost our like hub incubator theater, and then in December of 2020, we're like, oh well, we'll or 2019, we're like, we'll, we'll bounce back, we'll figure something out, you know, let's give it a couple months to 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 get over it, and then you know, March 2020 rolled around, and it's kind of a blur after that. Yeah, yeah, a lot of it blends in together, but we'll we'll get to all that. So, a question we have to start off with is like, tell us your background in comedy, sure, how you how you got to where you are yeah. now. Uh, let's see. I got in. I, I was like exposed to doing some improv in high school, and when I went to college down in Tacoma at the University of Puget Sound, I was like, I want to be on the improv team. That was like one of two goals I had. The other one was an acapella group, and that didn't work out. But uh, they also had a sketch team. Ubiquitous Day is the team. They still exist and existed long before I was there. Uh, so I auditioned, uh, and I didn't get in. And I just started writing sketches for them anyway and submitting them, and they, they used them. I was like, this bodes well. Uh, and I got in the next year, and by my senior year, I was one of the co-producers of it with uh, Michelle Leatherby, uh, who, you, if you saw my show at Seattle Sketchfest 2019, we did a duo show called 1911 together, and then we also got to do that in Chicago in uh, 2020, right, right before yeah, the yeah, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I made a lot of really good friends and collaborators there, and a lot of them had already moved up to Seattle, so I was like, let's do that too. Uh, moved up to Seattle and have been doing a lot of different sketch projects. Uh, I was on a team called Mischief for a few years. Uh, I started doing solo sketch, which I've performed in various iterations, either in a like, sort of, uh, what's it called? Too Much Light Makes a Baby Go Blind, um, neo-futurists way, where I would prepare like, 30 minutes of sketches for a 15 minute slot and let the audience pick based on like the name of the sketch, which ones they wanted to see. Uh, and then last year I wrote a 25 minute solo show, the classic, like I got to talk about my hometown mm-hmm. solo show. So that was called uh Heaney Cove, a bear resistant community. Cause I grew up in rural Alaska oh, wow. and was like, let's write a show about the hardships of living in Alaska with that idea synthesized down to a town that is constantly being attacked by bears. Like real bears. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, Cause you know, people are not, they, they can't agree on how to deal with the bears. Some people want to give the bears guns so that it's more of a fair fight. Like, <laughs> um, you know, divisive political landscape 
not unlike, or uh, yeah, completely different than the real world. You know, I try to avoid <laughs> real world references. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say uh, I really love like intimate collaboration. Like I've done a lot of duo shows with friends, just like let's just you and me figure something out. And uh, I've also really enjoyed being on Maple Daddies, which is a team comprised of two of my old college friends and a couple other people we met up here. Uh, they existed for several years before I joined, but then I got to hop in because I live with one of them and I was always around for writers meetings. Yeah, yeah. So like, you should just be on the team. And after doing solo sketch for a few years, it's been really nice to be back on a team and like have other people I can rely on for. You can do the tech script and you can do the edits. Yeah. I don't have to do it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a really fun little community we've got up here that's, I think, starting to, you know, come out of the scorched earth of 2020 through 2021. And something, something new and fun is coming out, I think. That's good. Now, one of the things that impressed me about Seattle the first time I came up here was how many solo sketch people mm -hmm. were doing comedy. And it was all very good. And then I was, it was explained to me that because of the way the city's built and the lakes. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're on this side of town, it's really hard to get to the other side of oh, town. Yeah. So there's a lot of solo sketch now. You've done a lot of solo sketch. <laughs> yeah. Do you prefer that to the groups, to the duos? Is there a benefit to, to, uh, to each I, one? I think it's like, you know, they're like different flavors of the same ice cream. That doesn't make any sense. They're, they're Chocolate, yeah, yellow, strawberry. Yeah, <laughs> like, like it's, they're, it's all good, I think. I mean, solo sketch, like... I think it slots in well with group sketch. Like, I think they both kind of, if, if you're watching a, a set that features both, like that's a good set because the energies are super different, but the material is still good. You know, it's, it's one great thing to watch three people who are really in sync do a really like fast paced, mm -hmm. like really funny sketch. And then it's also good to just have one person who knows too many words, like just spouting them off. Like, like it's, they're both uh, impressive and fun to watch. I think... I, I don't even really know if I prefer one. It's like solo sketch is so much more work for the individual, but also like, you know, you get that rewarding thing of like, I did this, but also like collaboration is the best thing in the world for people like working together and doing something in harmony. Um, but yeah, I think in Seattle in particular, I think that's totally right. Like sometimes you just don't have time to bust across town for three hours to yeah. go have a one hour sketch rehearsal. Yeah. Um, I kind of got into it just because the group I was in was sort of dissolving on good terms. And I was like, well, I want to keep going and I don't feel like just reaching out to five strangers and I have a bunch of ideas. So let's just put them together and see what happens. Um, but falling back into a team has also been really rewarding and working with, you know, one other person on duo shows is also, I think, I think that, yeah, the, the, for me, the main thing about solo sketches it really requires like specific writing, like a sketch with three people is a sketch with three people. And you, you can figure that out with any combination. Like that's, that's what I like about bad medicine is like, you guys have such a nice collective that you can switch people out of sketches yeah, and it all, it's a collective. yeah, it works. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but with solo sketch, it's like, if it doesn't work as you performing it, it doesn't work. Mm. And you have to like write for yourself and direct for yourself or have someone direct you. And you, you have to carry the whole thing. And it's, it's hard. 
So you work with a director for your solo stuff? Is that is there is that a part of the process uh, that you approach to doing solo sketch? I don't. That's mostly because I'm lazy and don't have my stuff written until it's too close to the show. Okay. I always try to have eyes on it in like the weeks beforehand to make any like big adjustments. Um, my good friend Jordan Moeller, who's performing in Sketchfest on Sunday, uh, a few bad men, which I'll be showing up in. Uh, he's he's kind of like my go-to. Um, look at this and tell me if it's good. Um, guy. And, but yeah, I, it's something like, you know, with unlimited time and budget, I would absolutely have a director for like all of my shows. Um, because it is, again, with like group sketch, you can have someone sit out and watch and in the, in the rehearsal be like, oh yeah, tweak this, you stand over there, hit that line harder. But with solo sketch, it's like, you could do it in a mirror mm -hmm. or true. you could record yourself and watch it, but it's like an outside pair of eyes is always going to be better. Yeah, I would assume, I've never done solo sketch myself. I've written a lot of monologues mm -hmm. that I've had to perform yeah. in Bad Medicine. I'm doing a monologue tonight on oh, the yeah. show. That's um, pretty, that's 90% of it, is writing monologues. Yeah, yeah, so, but the idea that I would finish a monologue and then do another monologue mm -hmm. and then do another monologue, that yeah. to me, like, scares me enough mm -hmm. that I'm, like, impressed when other people are, yeah. like, can hold the audience. Yeah, I really fight to try to not make my shows that. Like, I, I'll try to do, like, pre-recorded audio that I can just, you know, have, like, a one-sided conversation with or, like, a more physical, like, clowny piece. Yeah. Like, that's that's also part of it is, like, again, out of laziness. Like, man, it'd be great to have a sketch I didn't have to learn lines for since the rest of the show is monologues. That's a good cheat. That's <laughs> a good cheat. I think that works really well. Um, I believe you did a Milkman sketch. Yeah. That... <laughs> we've talked about how, tell us about that sketch and how it came to be um, that sketch is called Fancy Dairy and it came about through let's call it high improv where <laughs> I was just hanging out with my friends while uh, it's Washington we have a lot of uh, cannabis up here okay. and I think at some point we were just goofing around and I went into the fridge to like get something and I saw a jug of milk and I just grabbed it and started doing this little very silly dance with it just roughly like and i did i it, it became a bit where i did it a few times and then my roommate put on who was like a weird knowledge of like old movies mm -hmm. the theme from the third man which is an orson welles movie okay and it goes like da -da 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 -da. and that just kind of became a like that happened once and i was like i need to remember this so when i was putting together material for my first solo sketch show the like choose your own mm -hmm. uh, neo-futurist style one, I was like, I guess I can just come out and dance around with a bottle of milk and then chug it. <laughs> <laughs> and it works. And it, it, wor it really yeah. does. It's yeah. very entertaining. It was sort of, it was a lot of things where it's like I stumbled into something that works and then someone told me later, like, wow, that's a really great clown piece. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess it is. I didn't really think about it. It's like a clowning bit. I just thought of it was like, yeah, just do a silly dance and chug a bottle of milk. <laughs> and... I think the show that we saw, you chugged a number of things. Mm. I think you had oh, a roommate bring yeah. whatever he wanted to bring, and you were going to put it in the yeah. blender and then drink it. That that was like that was like an all time <laughs> sketch moment for me. Was as a fundraiser for Sketchfest Seattle that year, we people performers would auction off like aspects of their sketches, Ooh. or uh, you could like someone would like, oh, hey, just tell me like what you want and I'll just write a sketch about this thing and you can have a couple lines in it if you want. Uh, so like the Maple Daddies have a song called Sweet Baby Darren where they sing a, a weird theme is they sing about milking me. Okay. Um, 
And you and, paid for that? Well, no, no, that song preexisted, but oh. they auctioned off. They're like, if you if you buy this, we will rewrite the song to be about you, and you can be the sweet baby. Um, but for me, I was like, I will do my Milkman sketch, and the the part of the dumb bit with that is the sketch is literally called like Dairy on the board, and I have a bag with a question mark on it, and eventually I reach in and pull out the bottle of milk, and I was like, you can put whatever you want in the bag as long as it's not soap. <laughs> or poison. Okay. It has to be edible. <laughs> it has to be edible. And not make you sick. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it has to be something I can consume and it can't hurt me. Um, and, you know, small community, uh, my roommate bought it. And he, so when, we, so when the night came, we like even rode to Sketchfest in different cars so that I wouldn't see the detour he was taking to okay. get it. <laughs> and I do, he hands me a paper bag backstage and I'm like, okay. I start doing it. I open it up. It's a Dick's cheeseburger. I'm like, well, that's not that bad. Like I can eat a cheeseburger. And then I look over and he's running on stage with a blender <laughs> and in and another bag with a milkshake and fries in it. And it all goes in to the blender. Yep. And I tried to drink it and it was too thick. Oh. But uh, it, I think that was like, like we, we'd already lived together for a few years at that point, And now we've lived together for a few more years, plus quarantining together. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was an early example of how just gross our group mind is. Because <laughs> without having rehearsed any of that, he and I were like perfectly in sync. You know, he's the one who gave me the song to use. So he knew all the little beats that I like to hit in it with like specific gestures or motions. It was like, like I was saying, like, that's harmony in comedy. Yeah. Like, like neither of us preparing to do this bit, but it just going so well because it just, we just knew each other's rhythms and, and I, it mostly just tasted like mustard. Well, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> you, that's would, you wouldn't think that, but yeah, that's, I could that, see that's, that being a real big issue there. When I oh. tell people that I chugged a milkshake, they're like, how? And I'm like, well, or chugged a cheeseburger. And they're like, how? And I'm like, well, it was blended with a milkshake. Like, what did it taste like? Mustard. And yeah. kind of pickles. Those were like the dominant flavors. Yeah. It's kind of like when you try to make a smoothie that doesn't have too much banana flavor in mm -hmm. it, but like just a little bit of banana. It's a really hard it, balance. So I'm sure mustard works the exact same. Yeah, way, it, it overpowers. Over. Yeah, yeah, that cuts through vanilla like a knife. <laughs> now, for a newbie coming out who's who's trying to get involved in sketch in the sketch scene or just mm -hmm. do more, do you have any advice for them? Um. I would say, like, just if you know sketches you like or, like, groups you like, just try to write something that you think not necessarily like copies them, but I think it's, like, if you have a style you're attracted to, like, figure that out. Not figure it out, but, like, decide what you like about it and then try to write something that maybe emulates that because I think if you're not, A, if you're not excited about the material, like, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. um, and... I think like what the nice thing about sketch performers especially is like I think we're always kind of craving new stuff and more stuff um, like so Noble Rot the set I'm doing tomorrow uh, I've known Kasha my sketch partner for that for a few years but at the beginning of this year she was like hey I wrote a bunch of sketches and I don't know what to do with them do you want to read them and I was like yeah of course like like let's start meeting weekly and we'll just like talk about them and do some editing, not with any plans to like do a show. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like, if there's any kind of community around, just like reach out, you know, talk to people. Um, you can always like work. I, I mean, I'm always happy to like workshop sketches with people just cause I love that process, especially mm -hmm. like editing. Um, 
yeah, I think just like the the sketch communities in general, I think are very like we need more. We need more people. Yeah, we need yeah. more material. Yeah. Like if you got any good ideas, if you have no good ideas, but you just want to do it, like come on. It's a workshopping process mm -hmm. we built together, and, and everybody's hoping to produce funny stuff. Mm -hmm. So like we're all working toward the same goal, and that's good. And I like the idea where you're just pairing up with people. Yeah. And trying, hey, let's just try yeah. it. I, I think that would benefit the DCC and a mm -hmm. lot of people are just like, hey, let's write a sketch and go perform it and yeah. see what happens. Is that mix and mash that can give birth to new yeah. things? Well, that's how Maple Daddies and my other previous group, Mischief, like both formed, was we had this program at the pocket, rest in peace, called uh, Sketch Summit, where basically you just sign up, be like, hey, I'm interested in being on a sketch team, and like, you just could put on a team. And a more experienced sketch person in the community is your like coach for a couple months, mm -hmm. and they'll guide you through writing material and through putting on your first show and direct it to uh, for Sketch Month, which was sort of like a bigger, looser sketch festival. Like it would go a whole month, and if anyone who wanted could just sign up and do something. Um, your time slot might be weird, but. <laughs> uh, that's that's where a lot of like the weirdest best shows I've ever seen have come from. Um, so I think you know something like like that's all it takes. Just like yeah, get five interested people and one experienced person in a room, and you can make a sketch show, no problem. Sketch nerds is about nerding out about comedy we love oh, so yeah. the sketch you brought today is from auntie donna mm -hmm. uh, i saw it before you sent it to me um we're big fans of auntie donna so some of their stuff gets passed around a lot but it's two people wear the same tie to work mm -hmm. you want to introduce what the sketch is yeah where to start um it's part of a series of sketches they did called 1999 which are like 10 sketches that take place in an office in 1999 and this one i think is the most chaotic and also the most leaning into that specific premise. Um, it's about two men who wear the same tie to work and everyone really overreacts to this mildly interesting thing that happens. Yeah. V yes. Very much overreacts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, what are you two boys gawping and giggling about? Did another pigeon get into the boardroom? No, mate, have a look. Is anything tying us together? And yes, that pun was intended. Well, 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 well have a look. Mm. Ooh, um, ooh, mm, gee, I'm not sure. Uh, so, mm, uh, you've been, uh, okay, a bit of spot the difference, all right? A bit, a bit of spot the similarities, are we playing? All right. Ooh, um, ooh, mm, gee, I'm not sure. Uh, oh, gee, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. Are you two boys wearing the same tie? Not, I would not say it's their best sketch because they have so many amazing ones. Mm -hmm. But to me, it like stands out as their most like found in the edit sketch, I think. Because I, I know they like write and then they'll improvise while they film. Mm -hmm. But this one... I'd say, I would say more than almost any of their other sketches, especially any in that series, which are like pretty tightly scripted, it seems, is like every take is like has almost a different energy to it. Like it's their third or 15th try trying that line. And it just like, there's so much going on in the background too. I mean, I don't even know where like to start with this one other than 
I've probably watched it 70 or 80 times. Awesome, yeah. <laughs> so they, on their Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. refer to themselves as absurdist comedy. So how would you describe that mm-hmm. to someone who didn't know anything about it? Yeah, um, I, I, like, I kind of see what they do as like very Monty Python inspired, mm-hmm. like very much, yeah, like absurd, like, you know, I, I think with Monty Python, you can sort of synthesize it into, oh, this is far too silly. Like, like they'll do something to the point where they're like, okay, this is too much. We're done. And Auntie Donna like does not does stop. stop. <laughs> they, they, they go, they blow past that line uh, to the point where it just doesn't make any sense sometimes. No, I think it makes sense, but it like truly, truly like absurd scenarios. Um, I think that what, what I, what interests me about them a lot is that they're like a live performance team mm-hmm. initially, and yeah. they still focus on that a lot. So their video sketches have like a very different, I would say a heightened version of that, their live energy because their editing is so sharp um, compared to like a live show where it's like their reactions and cues have to be super sharp. Um, which I think is the best way that absurdism works is like you need a really strong foundation and uh, like structure almost or else it's just nonsense. And so I think that's kind of what shines about this sketch is they clearly had a script of some sort going in. They had beats. They kind yeah. Of um, and the edit took just like the wildest takes of all of it, but following those beats. So it still has a super clear arc, but every gap in between each beat is like almost a little sketch in itself just because the reactions are so huge or it's just nonsensical screaming or it's like a new character you haven't seen who sounds like they're from a different sketch entirely. Yes. <laughs> There's a couple of them in this yeah. one for sure. Yeah. For me, it seems like nothing they do is normal. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to walk across the room, I'm going to prance and then say I'm walking. <laughs> yeah, walk, like walkie, everything, walkie, walkie. Yeah, everything has to have something tied to mm-hmm. it. You can't just pick up the mug, you got to say, there's something weird in here. <laughs> oh, I wish I was dead. Like, you have to, like, <laughs> add things to it. And so it's like, you know, like, in the first 20 seconds, yeah. how many jokes and goofy bits were yeah. there? Walkie, 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 walkie. Hello, Rachel. How do you do? I'm good, bro. And, like, it almost sounds like it's going to be a song. Yes. And the previous sketch in the series is a song. It's okay. a, a bigoted bill. So it's like, oh, is this another musical sketch? No, he's just kind of singing. <laughs> um, and then... You know, Zach comes in with his delicious mugachini and great with a focaccia wink. And then you see them react to wearing the same tie. And the ties are very boring. Yeah. Which is yeah. another one of the details I love. Is that like it's a super boring tie. Um, which I think is kind of I mean, the game of the sketch is like overreacting to the most mundane things. Yeah. And that that plays into that, just like yeah, it's a very normal it's just a blue tie with like some horizontal stripes on it. Like it's not um yeah, it's just that every single take has, like, its own thing about it. Um, that's kind of what I mean when this one, like, stands out to me uh, from their other sketches, where it's like, oh, this is very, like, like the sketch after this one in the series. Uh, what do you think of this? Like, very straightforward delivery. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, could you help me send this uh, fax to my dad? Like, it's, it's, it's funny, but it's, like, nowhere near as chaotic. And all, all 10 of these are on the, your YouTube page. Mm-hmm, okay. mm-hmm. I'll put a link in the description. Yeah, yeah. The whole, I, 
I come back to it about once a year and just watch it all the way through. Um, I was even watching the outtakes for this sketch yeah. on the way here because I was like, what, what did they not use in this? And, and which was a good way to see like, you just see them doing other takes and be like, oh no, that was really good. Like do that again, but like different. So it sounds like kind of like how Will Ferrell makes his movies the mm. same way where it's like, all right, I'm going to say this line 10 times. We're going to just let the camera run yeah. and see what, what evolves. Yeah. It's very much like the early Adam McKay style, yeah. like, yeah. like Anchorman or Talladega Nights. Um, I'm curious because I've listened to a few episodes and, you know, I've, I've heard that there's sort of a Tim and Eric division yes. in Bad Medicine. <laughs> and I'm, so. I'm kind of curious what this sketch, what you like about this one compared to, say, like, a similar Tim and Eric sketch with a lot of, like, hard cuts and weird edits and stuff like that. Because I feel like this takes a lot of inspiration from that yeah. style without copying it in a lot of ways. True. I think Tim and Eric tries to be not funny mm -hmm. like that's their goal mm -hmm. we're going to tell a joke and we're going to tell it in such a weird way that it's almost anti-human mm -hmm. and then folks that love that love it mm -hmm. and everybody else is like where where's the where am i supposed to laugh where's the <laughs> joke and so you kind of hit that wall mm -hmm. where with auntie donna they're being too silly yeah it's always silly nothing is serious mm -hmm. Come laugh with us, you know? <laughs> and so, like, it's supposed to be funny. Yeah. And so it's like a safer space where Tim and Eric sometimes shows you things you don't want to see. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, now I just feel very awkward. Yeah. Like, they never yeah. kind of take you there. They just keep you in that safe yeah. space. So you're free to laugh. And so, yeah, you know, they're punching in. They're changing shot angles. They're really tight on one guy, mm -hmm. wide on the other. You know, they're repeating images, you know, a lot yeah. of that. Reusing the same Tim shot and over and over of the ties. the same shot over and over again. And so, like, there's a lot of that, which I think is, you know, Tim and Eric really perfected in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. Their best stuff just is just, yeah, I think it's just all over the place. Yeah. There's almost no way for you to predict, predict when the next cut is coming. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a great thing. And I think anyone should try and make something like that at any point. Um, but, yeah, it's it's the intent, I think, that yeah. really matters. yeah. And I think something that Auntie Donna does, just again, like talking about structure and how they, they lean on that as a, an excuse to get really absurd is all their sketches have super clear game mm -hmm. um, and heightening. I think it's, it usually, you know, heightens way past the point you think it would. Uh, but that's also very subjective for sketch comedy, I think. But like, you know, I can look at this sketch and exactly see like, oh yeah, there's, you know, A, B, 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 mm -hmm. like it's, there's the heightening, there's the heightening. The, the, the twist and then the the return and then it ends <laughs> with a little button. Yeah. It's like, it's like if you, there's a structure to it. Yeah. There's so. a, yeah. A super strong structure, which I think Tim and Eric lacks in a lot of their sketches. They do that on purpose yeah. though. Yeah. That's the problem yeah. that bugs me. So mm -hmm. They're removing the structure. Yeah. And Auntie Donna is always like, like you were saying like, Hey, come be silly with us. They are like, Literally and metaphorically winking at the camera, be like, hey, yeah, we know breaking the yeah, fourth yeah, wall they look all at, the time. Yeah, constantly staring down the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're the others, the closest thing I could compare this sketch to in their pantheon is the series, uh, Haven't You Done Well, which is like a format that they come back to in a lot of their series. There's one in 1999 where they all do just huge piles of cocaine, like absurdly large piles of cocaine. Um, <laughs> But that one is a lot of like, oh, clearly, when I show people Auntie Donna, one of the first people, one of the first sketches I'll show is 
Haven't You Done Well 2, where they're sitting and having lunch outside and then they all start sharing the food to the point where they're just like throwing soup at each other. Um, and that's, that's again, another sketch that's very much found in the edit. Like they probably just have a table set up. They film for like 20 minutes yeah. and try things a few times to, to find good beats and then just cut that down to its sharpest edge. Um, so it's interesting. I kind of wish they would do more sketches like that, but also I understand that it's risky because it doesn't always work and takes so much more time than like filming for the script. Um, that's something the Maple Daddies have run into and we're, we've been trying to do some video sketches for the last year. Um, and we've, we've been messing around with the format of like, okay, let's have a script fully ready to go and then show up and like shoot it straight. And that gets kind of boring. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, let's just have an idea and we'll just kind of riff it as we film. And that's a lot of fun, but super hard to edit yeah, because yeah. someone has to take all yeah, that process. Yeah. In. So like we found a good balance with like, okay, let's have a rough script. We'll film it, but let's, you know, overfilm it a little bit. So we have extra material to cut to, but it's such a hard balance to strike. And then with the scale that they're working on, like they've rented out a whole office. They have like 10 or 15 extras mm -hmm. of so many props, so many setups. Um, I have like, it's like when I found this sketch in college, it was like, Oh, this is very silly. Like, this is very funny and silly, and I like its energy. But then I, A, started working in an office <laughs> and really understood, like, oh, wow, it is this, like, boring, and the most mundane stuff will set you off into a frenzy. Yeah, it's like office space is funnier mm -hmm. after you've worked in an office, mm -hmm. 100%. Yeah. And then, like, starting to do more filming uh, stuff where it's like, oh, man, just to, like, you see how many different angles of, like, uh, Mark who's the one who's like, what are you two boys gulping and giggling about? How many different just angles they have of him in the first 30 seconds of the sketch? Yep. It's like, that's a setup, that's a setup, that's a setup. That's another take, that's another take, that's another take. The lighting had to change here. It's Move like, the camera, there goes 10 minutes. Move the camera again, there mm -hmm. goes another 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah, and sustaining the energy of that sketch for that long, too. Because the energy is so high throughout mm -hmm. the, every single setup. I just, yeah, it's it's. I, I think about this... I, I like don't write for video sketch very much. I'm, I, I think in live stage yeah. format, but this is really an exercise of like, you can do anything. Like, I think that's kind of what scares me about video sketches, especially like, I think same tie is a good example of this is you can do anything. Like you can get any shot you mm -hmm. want, you know, you can get any angle, any combination of people. So like, which do you prioritize? Which one's going to make for the best cut? Yeah. You kind of, not focus group it, but go into it with the mindset that sometimes cutting early out of jokes is better for the mm -hmm. joke and just kind of not locking yourself into what, yeah. you, what you planned on it being, mm -hmm. you know, things that are, you know, we have a sketch that we do on stage that I would say is maybe a six minute sketch, but it'd be a 14 minute video because mm. of all the extra stuff we were doing. Right. And, different takes people are trying different things and it was just like going back I wish it was shorter mm -hmm. and but it, it's just one of those things where like there are different formats yeah different types of way to tell a joke yeah I I wrote I for like one of these video sketches we did I wrote the script based on like an idea that we've been having the, the idea was two people are having lunch and it's like a man and a woman they're on a date and she says okay are you ready to eat the sandwich it's lunchtime and I'm hungry and the guy goes yeah, I'm just, I'm not ready to like call this a sandwich. 
Like, I understand that, like, you know, we've been having lunch together for a while, but, like, this doesn't, doesn't feel like a sandwich to me. And she's like, what do you mean? It's literally a sandwich. Like, it's just, that's just what's on the table. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, I'm not ready to commit to, like, that's the bit. And I, you know, we broke that down into, like, four script beats and tried to hit, like, a different version of that joke in every beat. And in the edit, I was like, man, we just need to cut one of these. And even then, it's still, I think, like, 50% too long. Yeah. Because, you, you know, doing a sketch on stage, you can kind of afford to repeat yourself a little bit so that the audience really gets the joke. But with a video, it's like people are sharper, like they're paying more attention. Yeah. And you, like, cannot repeat yourself too much or it gets boring. And I think also you can kind of, for live sketch, feel what the audience is liking mm-hmm. and lean into the joke or lean into yeah. the character. Or even like the jokes that you make up on stage in between the yeah. lines. Live yeah. feedback yeah, makes a huge can't, difference. Can't do that at all. Um, and I definitely would say if you're not cutting jokes from your video that you love, mm-hmm. you're probably not doing it right. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, a lot ends up on the cutting floor. Yeah. Yeah. I got to do um, the 48 Hour Film Festival oh, nice. this yeah. year, which was a lot of fun uh, with a lot of local sketch people, like pretty much the whole team. Uh, I think basically everyone involved is either in Sketchfest this year or like has been in it before. Um, but yeah, you know, with 48 hours to edit and it's like, it's gotta be a certain length. We were just like, Oh, okay. Cut that joke. Cut that joke. Cut that joke. It just needs to be tighter. Like it's, you know, it's one thing to like labor over an edit for like a week and be like, Oh, do we do this one or this one? But when you are under the knife, like, yeah, it hurts so much more to just be like, Oh, Okay, get go go go. Just I don't 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 think about it. Just cut it. Yeah, yeah. Drown, it's, uh, it's like drowning your puppies, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So what, one of the great things about Hidana, just bring us back. Yeah. Uh, their voices. They mm-hmm. do a lot with voice. Mm-hmm. Now, how, how I don't know if you use voice or play around yeah. voice in your in your comedy. Like, what's the benefit of that? Like, where is that? What does that do to mm-hmm. your piece? Um. I think what character voice is a really, I I come from like a bit of a theater background and like dialect is super helpful for like embodying a character. I feel like, because in sketch, it's like the character is pretty much all of it, especially solo sketch. Um, Because if if the character that you've put on stage isn't interesting, like then the writing better be really good. Um, So yeah, especially, Especially with Auntie Donna, I quick tangent. I got to see them live. Oh man, it's a few years ago. Yeah, it was the best live show I've ever been to. Like, so like jealous. I, um, and I, in my excitement and terror of getting to meet them after the show, very briefly, I was like, Broden, and I, I do a really good Broden impression, <laughs> which I, in retrospect is like the worst thing to say to anyone ever. Yeah, and I was just like, walkie, 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 walkie. Hello, Rachel. How do you do? And he's like, oh, wow, that's, that's, the, that's the greatest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, this is so kind of you to say, and I will never live this down. <laughs> but I think there's something to that. It's like that's not his, his natural speaking voice. It's sort of, you know, it's low. Yeah, but, yeah. but, like, he really leans into gruffness. And All the, the time, low. yeah, it's, and it works. Yeah, I do wonder if, if how much that reads as, like, very funny to us compared to Australians. Mm. Because I think there's an aspect of all of their comedy where it's like, they just always sound a little funny. Yeah. Because, uh, like, some of their earlier stuff, they, they keep reusing this phrase, oh, yeah, cool, man. 
And it's like, I say that all the time, but in an Australian accent because I think it's funnier than I mean, saying, oh yeah, cool, man. Maybe that plays into the, the silly factor mm-hmm. more in like, you're going to be more comfortable doing silly stuff if you are not speaking in your normal yeah. voice. Yeah, I, I'm doing a sketch on the Maple Daddy's show uh, where I start very normal and as I like start giving these really over-the-top monologues like I I dip into like a very sort of Shakespearean like overdramatic and I think that is like you know it's also contrast his voices are so good you know doing saying very gross stuff in a very posh voice or the opposite like saying fancy stuff in a gross voice yeah sure why not that's funny um you know unexpected uh the things you wouldn't expect one voice to say, that's always like an easy joke. Um, but yeah, for St. Ty specifically, it, yeah, it all builds on the silliness is that they're all, you know, they, when they start with like very normal voices, like, you know, Mark comes in, oh, what are you two boys going up and giggling yeah. about? And then when he realizes what's happened, when he's suddenly brought into the world, <laughs> the world like, yeah. do you see what's happening? Are you two boys? Weird. Like he goes lower that, than Broden. That's like my favorite part of the sketch. <laughs> we just zoom in and he gets really deep. Yeah, yeah. Because he's usually like pretty like mm-hmm. high pitched and yep. chipper. Like yep. he's kind of the one that's he's the one who's like barefoot when they perform live. Like he is the one who runs around the most and has the most energy, I think. Wow. So to see again, you know, contrast like when he's just like standing very still and squinting and like you two boys. <laughs> Um, and they have a couple yeah. of other characters mm-hmm. yeah. that, um, in the sketch that seem like they're from, like you said, yeah. a different sketch. And they have voices, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like the tiny yeah, Tim. Lord, yeah, Lord Wigglesnatch and Dog Boy. Yeah, it's just like all of a sudden they come out of nowhere. And I don't know if they're, I mean, I haven't seen the Tim series. I don't mm-hmm. know if they're from a different sketch or what. The, but like, yeah, they are not. In they're a, not. The, Lord Wigglesnatch shows up in another series they do in sort of a similar role, like doing the end monologue or the like, and so it came to pass. Um all of those like side characters who have lines are like frequent collaborators of them. Um, Rachel is Mish that like Zach does a podcast with, and Susan is Michelle Brazer, who's like an excellent solo performer mm. in her own right, um, and she shows up in a ton of their stuff. Uh, and then Dog Boy is uh, Demi Lardner, Laudner. Um, I, I know I, I've spent too much time. No, this is great. <laughs> um, and. Lord Wigglesnatch is, I want to say Ben Russell is his name, and he's in a really great series called Hug the Sun, uh, which is like a six-episode parody of 90s children's television, but it's like very, it's like run by a cult. Um, I highly recommend checking that out, Hug the Sun. Um, but I, I, again, like collaboration and comedy, like there are sketches, especially in like their TV show, where they will play like multiple different characters in the same sketch, which is really strange to see in video sometimes. Like, I think that's kind of a hallmark of theirs where they'll just be like, oh yes, I'm this character in this sketch and I'm also this character in this sketch. So what I like about that one is they bring in four of their frequent collaborators to like fill out the space and fill out the roles and really like make it feel like an office. Yeah, yeah. That's Because that's like something, you know, they, they could have played all those characters but it would, I've, I think it would hit less hard because... The world would feel less big. It would feel less big, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, the, the, the woman who gets up on the desk yeah. and 
has the cursing mm-hmm. and, and the then, beeps don't sync up with yeah. the curses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, so like having, you know, breaking away from them and mm-hmm. saying, showing that there's a bigger character world in space, mm-hmm. I think definitely helps with the crowd, you know, running down the hallway, like having those elements help sells that bit. Yeah. Um, a lot more. Than yeah. You really get excited about this little thing and the whole <laughs> office comes together. You know, it'd be different if, it was like cut in a way where you saw like they were playing yeah. each guy was playing all, you know, there were nine characters and three of them were yeah. playing three, you know, it works visually better mm-hmm. this way, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, so I, that also line, I think is just, I love a line that just like, this is the game. Something mildly interesting has happened in the fucking workplace. Yeah. <laughs> From the pigeon down to the break room. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we like to do um, that I have heard people like, why do you guys do this? But I think it matters because mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. Endings to sketches is hard, yeah. and I love hearing what, how other ways people approach. How would you have ended this sketch differently mm-hmm. if you were like, "All right, we need to, we're not going to do this ending. Give us an alternate." Yeah, what, what was the way you? Would, I you would I, approach it? I think an easy alternate would be a third person comes in wearing the same tie. Okay, um, <laughs> and maybe literally the, they just cut to the building exploding. You know, I think that's that's like a very classic sort of like extra heightened and then done. Um, or someone, you know, I, I think they kind of do this, but like with the pigeons, like a different, mildly interesting thing happens. But rather than it being like something outside of the space we've been inhabiting, it's like it comes into the space and then the same ties are competing with the, you know, same Bugs Bunny t-shirts mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for, well, we have a better, more interesting thing. We have a better, more interesting thing. Um, I think... I, I like the Lord Wigglesnatch ending because it is so, again, like unexpected. Yeah, it's, it really comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. which is great. And I'm always a fan of, like, one of my favorite dumb tropes is the, like, boy, what day is it? <laughs> oh, it's Christmas Day, sir. <laughs> so I'm not too late. Go get the biggest goose from the store. The one as big as me. Like, I, I would put that bit in every sketch if I could. Because I just think it's so, it's one of those dumb things that's so ingrained in the minds of, you know, every, yeah. not everyone, but, like, most most people pe- have seen that. Most people have We're seen a Christmas seen Carol in some, in some way, form. Yeah. Um, not to be too like you know Christian Christmas centric, but like it is just one of those pieces of media that like you can't really get away from. You know, tell me, Spirit, am I too late? Like, um, I, a, yeah. a half hour show where every sketch that scene happens <laughs> in by the fifth time would be hilarious. Yeah, oh yeah. My God, that's. I mean, you know, like comedy is like repetition to the mm-hmm. point where you don't know if it's even funny anymore. Like, is it funny that it's funny or is it funny because it just won't stop happening? Um, and I think seeing that bit over and over again uh, pop up is like just something I love. Like, <laughs> oh, they're doing the Scrooge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I feel like that harkens back to like vaudeville, you know, where like they have the same character tropes that show up. And if it's like, oh, yes, the, 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 the drunk guy who comes in with his pants down like i love that character <laughs> and the best thing about tropes is you don't have to have a backstory you mm-hmm. to explain things you yeah can just go straight to the joke there's mm-hmm. no setup because all the information is already presented yeah people know what's supposed to happen yeah so even you can kind of play with that or go right into your joke mm-hmm. even if you don't know like i've never seen a christmas carol you still get the idea of like a, 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 a posh person be like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. That voice, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the top clothes, hat. Compare, yeah, it, it, it plays to that. And then again, like I was saying, a posh voice saying something really stupid, like, mother of cunts. 
<laughs> we're in a public space, so I won't just yell that. But <laughs> then, then it, there's a couple of lines where you, that's definitely one of those that stands out. You're just like, what? <laughs> they move on. Like, yeah. It's not. Yeah. I just, and I really want to highlight, because this is the thing I always like when I show this to people, I will usually make them watch it twice because we'll just watch it once straight. And I'll, then I'll be like, okay, now we're going to watch it for me. And I'll be like, okay, do you see the guy just talking to the plant in the background? Or do you see the woman who just keeps taking a coat off the coat rack and then putting on and then putting it back on the coat rack? Or how the first time Mark's in frame, he's holding up what seems to be a picture of himself. And he's just like like making a really gross face in the background. Like there's, I cannot think of, there's so many layers. I mean, the guy who, you know, stops hanging himself once once the same tie happens. There's, it's like, I... I've never seen a sketch that's like this visually dense, even though like, I, I don't even consider them like gags because they don't really add anything, but it's just that like... And he probably missed them in the first pass. Yeah, anyway. yeah. But just that like the director who directs most of their stuff, he directed the TV show too. Okay, awesome. Um, uh, must have just told those extras like, okay, you, you talk to that plant and you put your coat on like, because as you watch the cuts, like it, she's in a different part of the process every time so you can tell like this this cut was 30 seconds from the last one but like she's still doing the same thing the same loop like a like a video game npc or something it's i think especially if you're going if you're more familiar with doing live stuff and you're going to do video there is so much room for those visual Mm -hmm. and jokes that taking the time to to put stuff in there that someone may not see until the fifth time, mm-hmm. you should totally take advantage of that. Yeah, yeah. That's why, uh, I mean, that is why I, like, picked this sketch is because, to me, it just really stands out as, like, they put way more work into this one than almost any of their other sketches. And on, on for, like, that area, because, you know, they have their big musical numbers, like, with clearly a lot more choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, they're big on music. Yeah, yeah they're big. They're, that's they're very big on music. I've, I've listened to their podcast a lot, um, which is mostly you know improvised nonsense. But every once in a while, they'll like have a serious conversation about what they do. And something I think is I could never commit to this, but they say when we have a sketch idea and it's not working, we try it as a song. <laughs> and like that's <laughs> such a big like leap. I feel like it's a har- it's harder. Exactly, it's right? Be harder. But they are like so musical, and I mean, getting to see them live, it is like they are dancing in almost every single sketch wow. in some way. Um, and I, you know, even the beginning of this one with the Broden's like rhythm with walkie walkie walkie, and then uh, Rachel continues the rhythm. I'm good, bro. Like like you know, editing is you kind of have to hit a rhythm almost like music with it. Mm-hmm. I think that is one thing Tim and Eric do super well with their editing is like hit these very specific. To the point where it's like, you know, just da 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 yeah, like, and that's yeah. how they end a lot of their sketches. Exactly. Just like, to the point where it's a, a, abrasive and hurts your head to listen to. But the, like, treating a single, like, bit or reaction as, like, a musical sting and, like, hitting it three times and then moving on to the next one, that's something they do a lot, too. Is, is adding a inherent musicality, which, you know, rhythm and momentum is so important in comedy for keeping energy up and keeping engagement up. And that is, oh, I'm, I'm losing it. <laughs> um, but I think that's something they really excel in throughout all of their sketches and video and live show too. Like, I think that's sort of the, the through line is musicality for energy and rhythm, 
go hand in hand so well. And even if it makes a music, you know, turning a concept from a live sketch or a straightforward sketch to a musical sketch, yeah, way more work. That's how um, Bigoted Bill, I remember them saying that specifically, like this started as a sketch that was just like, was, it working? So they made was it not song. working. So they made it a song and it's like, I'm definitely going to pitch that and see how the group likes yeah, it. Yeah. That's, that's a great concept. It's a different part of your brain almost mm -hmm, mm -hmm. approaching uh, an issue and trying to solve it by yeah. making it music based. I, I'm so, like, I listen to like a decent amount of comedy music, which is a sly way of saying I love Weird Al very much. <laughs> um, but also I listen to like uh, Don't Stop or We'll Die or Sloppy Boys. And like musical comedy or like funny songs have a lot in common with sketches. Um, because usually they like need to hit a beat, they need mm -hmm. to heighten, they need to establish a, a yep. baseline. Um, literally and in the writing. Uh, <laughs> um, but with music, it's, you know, the, all the extra work of like, I don't know, with like, I've heard people like musical comedians say, you know, once you start a sketch, if it's not working, you can't really bail on it. Like you can with uh, an improv scene or a stand-up bit. Yep. And that's, that's the same thing with songs. It's like, once you start playing a song, you got to play the whole song. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, very true. And I, I will say some of my favorite acts I've seen perform have like an incredible musical number mm -hmm. somewhere in the show or are bouncing back and forth mm -hmm. between the two. And yeah, the, yeah, it definitely, in my mind, funny songs, sketch comedy, same bucket, mm -hmm. basically. It's a character. Yeah. You know? Yeah. My, my personal uh, creed with musical sketches is it has to be catchy. Mm -hmm. And that's something the Maple Daddies, because we have the song, the Sweet Baby Darren song, every show after, it's usually the closer, and after every show, people are like, it's stuck in my head. And I'm like, good, <laughs> that means it worked. And I think we, we have a new song in our show for this festival. It's it's really long, it's really rambly, but I do think we got the catchy bit in it, because you know, after the show, we were like, man, I don't know if it's, people don't laugh at songs the same way they laugh at sketches, unless like you have a really good beat, people are like, I need to keep listening, I need to keep hearing the lyrics. So they won't let themselves just like laugh. But after the show, I heard people saying, or I heard someone tell me like, there were people singing Tolnik in the women's restroom. <laughs> <laughs> the song's called Tolnik. Um, so <laughs> I was like, we got it. You got it. We got it. It works. That works. That's all works. I needed to know. It <laughs> works. First times can be awkward for everything, including comedy. So why not look back at a comedy writer's first attempt at making an audience laugh? From Philly Sketchfest, have a listen to My First Sketch, the podcast introducing you to sketch comedians from around the world, starting with their first sketch. Hosted by me, Josh Hyam, we'll explore how a writer got started, what shaped their sense of humor, and where they go from here. Check out My First Sketch at myfirstsketch.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Close out um, yeah. our episode. We like to rate the sketch mm -hmm. we talk about, and you can pull any kind of rating system. Okay. The points don't matter. Mm -hmm. It's like whose line is it anyway? Uh, so, how would you rate this sketch? I would give it. How many shots are on a disposable camera normally? Like like twenty. I would say twenty four. Twenty four. I would give it twenty two out of twenty four shots on a Kodak disposable camera. Nice, very like nice. I think there's a couple pictures left that you might want to save for a special occasion, but that's pretty much a whole reel of film. Yeah, uh, I would say 
this sketch is one of those where you have to watch it twice. So mm -hmm. I think you would use the roll, mm -hmm. and then you would rewind it, and then you would shoot <laughs> over the roll, double all expose of the, yeah. all the frames so that there's just that much information mm -hmm. packed in. It's definitely, you can't watch the sketch once. You I know. You gotta watch at least twice, three, yeah, four times. It's, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this, like trying to show people, here's a sketch team I love, let me show you a few of their sketches. And you have to like, what's the good intro? What's the good, like, this one's the, the banger. And then like, what's the good weird one that I love? I, you know, same tie is like maybe the third one. It's the weird one that I love because I need people to get like, here's their energy, here's their like silliness. And now here's the one where those things are at the maximum. Um, and it's, yeah, because you do kind of have to watch it twice, which yeah. is a, an annoying thing to say about a three-minute piece of material. <laughs> I like I like sending people the uh, Everything's a Drum. Mm, mm -hmm. It's like, if this isn't funny to you, nothing else I show you yeah. will be funny yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty good one. Well, Darren, thank you so much for yeah, coming on the show. Yeah, Really appreciate it. And good luck with all the rest of your reforms this weekend. Uh, where can our listeners find you online? Yeah, um, I am at Darn Skulls uh, on Instagram, which is not the best username, but it's the one I have. Um, D-A-R-N-S-C-U-L-T-Z. Uh, I'm also in the group Maple Daddies. They're just at Maple Daddies on Instagram. And we have a YouTube page with a bunch of sketches that are good and worth watching. Uh, and I'm also in a podcast that just started coming out called System Switch. Uh, it's an improvised real play. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, it's kind of like that, but nice. different. Uh, Blades in the Dark is the game we're playing. Um, Blades so, in the Dark? I've not heard that one. Um, okay. It's very like steampunky. Okay. And instead of it being like, you know, you're going on an adventure, you're party is a group of criminals and you pull heists. Alright, nice. Okay. So a lot of it's like, okay, we gotta break into the vault and do all the prep for that. And you can do flashbacks while you're doing it, so if you mess something up, you'd be like, oh, but I'm gonna waste a flashback point and say, oh, I have a you know special tool for this situation. Um, so you can mess up if you need to, but it's, uh, I, <laughs> to tie it all together, I was going to play a uh, sort of English Cockney guy for yeah, that, yeah. and then I met one of the other guys who's on it who I'd never met before, and he was English. <laughs> so I was like, okay, oh. well, now my character's Australian, because all of my, because my Australian accent comes directly from all the anti-data I watch. Okay, excellent, excellent. Putting what you've learned to use. Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't do an English accent for somebody who's from there as well. <laughs> You're just jinxing yourself at that point. Yeah, yeah. I was like, is this offensive to him? <laughs> I'm not gonna risk it. <laughs> he probably has an American accent that he probably could work Oh out yeah, as well, yeah. He's, sure. he's like a voice actor. Oh, okay. he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. I was just like, I've never met you before. Let's just pivot, <laughs> just pivot a little makes bit. Makes sense, makes sense. Well, thank you so much for coming on the episode. Really appreciate it. Uh, you know, guests, please follow like, share, and subscribe. If you know of a sketch that we haven't discussed yet, please send it to us. We love getting suggestions. Uh, you can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com backslash Sketch Nerds, uh, where you can also find links to the sketches that we talked to about today. I'm going to put a bunch of stuff in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcast. Um, for myself, Isaiah, and for Darren. Uh, Hello. Thank you for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, 
fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.